Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on too much junk in the trunk. Oh man, I'm so excited. So excited to be back with you guys. Um, you know, most of you, Johan and I got the opportunity to go away to a conference this past week. Well, actually, yeah, we came back Monday, um, much of the previous week. And uh, just an amazing, wonderful, wonderful time. We enjoyed it so much, so much. And uh, just such a life-giving time. The conference, the time together. We took no kids with us. <laughs> Jahan even left three-month-old Jehu here. And, um, and we had to go through some things about that. You know, there's some times of mourning maybe. But we had a good time. And uh, just, just su- such an amazing time. We, uh, we rested um, in his presence. You know, sometimes we, we think uh, me time. Sometimes, anybody ever tried me time and you didn't feel like you got very refreshed with your me time? Yeah, yeah that's because we weren't really created for me time. We were created for him time. And that's how we get refreshed. And so we hit it early every day, and we went late every night and wouldn't have had it any other way. And so loved it, loved it. I took a yellow pad of paper, and I ran out. I had to write on the cover, and it, it just we just, I mean, we just killed it, man. We just, gave, we just drank every bit of everything. And um, when they had time for prayer, I went for prayer every time. All right? Every time, you know? Every time, like... He said, hey, y'all are mostly pastors and leaders. You probably don't get prayer. As, you know, you pray for other people. And I was like, well, my church prays for me, but I'm still, every time, let's pray. You know, come on. John's like, you going up there again? You got anything they said? You need anything specific? No, I'm going up there. Pray. Come on. Pray for me. And uh, wonderful time. Wonderful time. Drank it up. I drug her a couple of times to get prayer. Come on. You're going to get prayer today. <laughs> One night we were leaving the building. We already had prayer. We're leaving the building uh, uh, one night late session, and they're actually, I think it was the last night, so it was just like the last night, and I was like, this is the last night, right? So they're like, hey, we got to be out of this building a certain amount of time. Oh, Lord, she's been in and out with that baby four times now. Come on. Uh, <laughs> sit in the back if you got small children. <laughs> Lord. Uh, <laughs> So we're walking out the door, and I see somebody, somebody who's saying, y'all need to leave. They've got one of the prayer team badges on. And I was like, hey. I mean, we're walking out the door, and I said, hey, just one more time. All right? <laughs> we just want prayer one more time. Just pray for us, all right? And so it was wonderful. Great, great, great. They had a conference within the conference on Saturday. We said, yeah, we'll take that too. And we went all day on Saturday. And uh, it was great. Wonderful, wonderful time. So refreshing and filling. I bought a bunch of books. I've already read some of them, and I'm, it's good. I'm going to try to teach you from four different books. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Today. Um, actually, this was kind of before I even went. This was a few weeks ago, and um, so I want to share it with us today. And it's just throughout worship, I'm just like, Lord, you are just really putting it on fit today. Oh, is that me? This bag might be messing this thing up. You're really putting it on fit today with this, but that's okay. We'll roll with it. Anybody wonder why I have my backpack on? 
Does it bother anybody? Bother you? You feel sorry for me a little bit? Does my whole countenance change? Do you think, man, he... I, I, here's the deal. This is what kind of happened to me. I went, um, here we are again, man. I tell you, I wasn't a sipper in the world. I'm not a sipper in the church. I mean, I want it all, right? And so I, I, I dislike it. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a excessivist, you know. I want it all. Anything he's got, I want it. So uh, uh, I, I'll go by myself. I'll go whatever. Here a few weeks ago, I drove two hours to be in a in a revival type meeting, and uh, I was all by myself and. Everybody had other things going on. I was like, well, I'll just drive by myself. So I went drove down there. And so I didn't have all the kids and people with all the stuff to save seats. And I got there a little bit late because it was a long drive. And so I had my bag with me because my Bible's in there and I take notes and all that stuff. But I didn't, I couldn't find a seat while everybody was standing up. So I just went down to the front because that's what I do. I like to go. I don't just stand down here because I'm the pastor. If I was at another church, I'd be standing down here worshiping because that's what I like to do. All right. And so I go down front to worship. And so I just have my backpack on because I didn't have a seat to leave it in. And so all through worship, I got my backpack on. Right. And I got multiple prophetic words that night. Bless, I mean, I love them. They meant, well, I had, this little girl came up to me. And she said, I thought the Lord just wants you to know you don't have to carry that burden. <laughs> I don't know what you're carrying, but the Lord just says you don't have to carry it. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and yeah, multiple people, you know, so I just thought, wow. You know, it really, like, it's hard to separate what I'm doing in the natural from what it appears to be in the spiritual. You know what I mean? And I even thought about, like, what I wanted to say to that girl. But bless her heart, I mean, I, I wanted her to, I said, oh, yeah, and I just took my, she, she said, I feel like just, I saw your backpack, and I just feel like that's really symbolic of something in your life, and you let it down. So, I mean, I had to be obedient. I said, oh, yeah, let me lay it down. But I'm thinking, where am I going to put my bag, you know? And I wanted to explain to her why I have my bag. You know, I don't have a seat, really. You don't understand. I need all this stuff, you know, and all this, you know. But instead of that, I was just like, yeah, let me, yeah, honey, I'll take, oh, thank you. Yeah, I took it off. You know, I'm okay now, you know. And her heart was relieved, you know, that I was free of my burdens. It's wonderful. And um, just left it at my feet. And so after service, I find out that the security was freaking out. It's a friend of mine's church, and, and a real good friend of mine it used to be on staff with us when we were youth pastors. Uh, she's over all of the, the, the connections and, the, and kind of what Tiffany does here, all the um, first impressions and team and all that stuff. And so security's under that, or safety, whatever we call it. Can't call it security because get, you get sued if they do something. So we call it safety team. But they were all, like, talking on the radio the whole time. You know, until somebody said, oh, that's Michael, we know him. You know, he's a pastor from Knoxville. But they were getting ready to take me out, you know. <laughs> they got snipers in the catwalk and all kinds of stuff, you know. And they were like, who is this guy? This is so strange and unnatural for this guy to be walking around with all of this stuff in his bag. And so the Lord began to speak to me that night. Even after that young girl came, and I really think she came to give me a word, not for my situation, but a word for you. 
And so I just said, thank you, Lord. I think that's a word. And, um, and so I, I brought it back to share with you. So this is a word from a young girl in service. And she wants to give it to y'all this morning. And, uh, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm thinking through and, and, and all the reasons why I have it. And, and, and I just thought, man, I, I just I don't know kind of what situation I'm going to be in. And so I'm just like, like to be prepared, you know. So I like to be prepared. And so I like to keep stuff with me. You know, Jahan and I just went on a trip, okay? And we were allowed a carry-on, and we were allowed a um, personal item. And our personal items both looked like this, except um, I forget. I was trying to find my pillow this morning to put on my bag because I had my neck pillow strapped to my bag too. You know, when they say personal item, they don't mean like an army, you know, camper pack, you know, with your uh, canteen hanging off of it because you don't trust that they're going to give you water on the plane. You know, they just, that's it, just not the way it goes. And so we, we were trying to get prepared for everything. If you'll turn with me to Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 12. Some of you may know what that is just from the reference. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him <clears throat> endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the American Standard, uh, New American Standard Bible. Look at the Passion. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us, and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon with passion and determination, for the path has been already marked out before us. So here's the deal. We like to be prepared. We like to have what we need because we... We're in a culture that celebrates preparedness. They celebrate that you are the, the controller of your own destiny. You can make things happen for yourself. You can prepare tomorrow so that when you get to tomorrow, tomorrow be, will be everything you expected it to do. So you can work today enough that tomorrow will be what you dreamed it would be. So we're a culture that is all about preparing, all about um, storing up, all about putting things in place and scrambling around. And so if we do the right things, then we should never have to enter into a season and not have everything that we need. Right? 
And the reason why we project onto next seasons is based on previous seasons. The reason why my bag looked like this when I went to that service is every service I've ever been to when I didn't have something I needed. The reason my bag looked like this when I got onto the plane and with my pillow attached is one time I got on a plane and didn't have a pillow. Been on a plane 38 times and only wanted a pillow once, and so now I carry a pillow every time, and I still don't use it, and I carry it all around for, you know, the entire trip. I, I got I to gotta carry that pillow with me just in case I might want that pillow at some point. I got to take a hat with me in case I decide that I want to wear a hat and I don't want to fix my hair. So I just carry a hat with me. You know how many hats I've ruined by having them strapped to a bag? You put them in the overhead bin, they get smashed. Oh, you wrecked my bill. Dadgummit. Ruined my hat. Look here. So maybe, how am I going to do this? I need another table. I ain't got one. I know y'all can't see if I do stuff on the ground. I don't know. All right. So, you know, and I might get cold. You know, because one time I was on a plane and I got cold. 37 times I was hot and wished I could take my clothes off, right? <laughs> Normally on a plane. But one time I was cold, so I take that with me, and then I might need to change shoes. But what if I don't want to wear the other shoes? What if I want to change shoes? I mean, what if I go through security and then I don't want to have to tie the shoes I had back on, so I want to slip on my tennis shoes, you know, and... Normally, I wear my tennis shoes to slip on, but then what if I want to wear other shoes once I get through security while I'm walking around, you know, because I got a different outfit on, you know, and so I need to be able to slip my shoes off through security, but, you know, so I had to have that. I love how y'all think I'm so funny. Uh, we'll get to y'all in a few minutes. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll get there. No big deal. Let's see. What's the other stuff? Yeah, and then I might be hot, so I have to wait to take a T-shirt. I had to have two options with me just in case, you know. And then a couple of things I can't pull out because I don't trust the airlines. You got to have some clean drawers. You know what I mean? You got to take clean drawers with you. You can't just put them on your check bag, you know. And then I always have to have the word and then some more books and then something to write down from the books. And, you know, because there may be a place when, you know, I could read in the morning, I can read at night. But what if? What if there's a 15-minute span in the day when I want to read and I don't have a book with me? What would I do? You know? It'd be horrible. You don't even want to know the computer stuff. I mean, every type of converter you could ever want, you know? And then I need earphones for if I'm using a regular port. I need earphones if I'm using a lightning port. I need converters for every kind of converter that's in there, you know? And then we got to get to medicines, you know? You got, what, what if your stomach gets upset? You know, you got to have a modium in there. What if you get heartburn? You got Tums in there. What if you get a headache? You got to have ibuprofen in there, right? You got to have everything you could ever possibly need. Then I started, you know, Jahan and I would go stay at hotels, and then they wouldn't have anything good. So I started taking HDMI cables with me so I could hook my computer up. We could watch what we want to watch on TV. So I got, like, I got audio video, uh, you know, AV equipment in here, right? <laughs> I got all that stuff. But I made, I made those decisions about what I'm taking in my next season because of what happened in my previous season that left me feeling deficient. 
So, you know, it says throw off every encumbrance, but I love the way the passion puts it. It says, so we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. See, because wounds become encumbrances. Wounds cause us to try to keep that pain from ever happening again. So then, to keep that pain from ever happening again, then we have to begin to make sure we have everything we need to never have to experience that again. We do that in our relationships, right? We definitely do that with finances and money. Look at Matthew 11, 28, 30. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous, young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired, and they will walk and not become weary. Jesus is in your next season. And I love it. He's rewriting your history. So many of us think that Jesus is writing our story now that we've surrendered to him, and he's going to write it in such a way that it compensates for the past and makes us feel okay about the past. He's not just going to change your future to compensate for your past. He's going to rewrite your past. He's going to change your story. He doesn't just come in at one point and say, okay, from this time forward, I'm going to make things new. No, he goes back and he rewrites your story. He rewrites every experience that brought a wound. You see him there. He heals you there. He takes the sting of that away so that you don't go into your next season trying to make sure you don't suffer again. You have to allow him to rewrite all of it. I want to do something real quick. These little bulletins have places to write on the back. If you don't have anything else, you should have one of these. Everybody get something to write with real quick. Should be pins in the seats. So, we kind of made a little progression on our trip. So we were allowed a personal item and a carry-on item, you know. And so this is kind of the progression in our life, right? We try to get everything that we can, anything that we think we'll ever need for the next season, in something that's somewhat portable so we can manage it. You know what I mean? We can manage it. You'll look funny, but you can still run if you really have to. <laughs> Saw people do it on the, at the airport, right? You know, they're running that bag, going everywhere. So we try to manage our weight. We try to get the weight dispersed in a way, you know, that we can still maneuver through life, and it's not just a complete. But then, like, 
we start playing through the scenarios. What if I want to put those shoes on? Well, what if, like, I need another pair of shoes just in case this scenario? I can think of 10 different scenarios that might happen on a four-day trip, right? And so then I had, this is just for my shoes, right? I got to have a shoe bag. I mean, I wear 12, Okay. It's big. Jahan's like gloating before our trip. I got all my stuff in a carry-on. I was like, dude, one pair of my jeans is like seven of your outfits, girl. <laughs> anybody ever got there in life? Like, has anybody ever picked up a pair of jeans and been like, dear God, who's with those? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, that person, I feel sorry for them. They probably can't even move around. And then you like look at them a little bit more, and you're like, oh my gosh, those really are my jeans. <laughs> I would never imagine I could fit those jeans, right? So like one pair of my jeans takes you on. She's like, I got 23 outfits in this little bag. I'm like, I got a pair of shoes, a pair of underwear, a pair of jeans, and a hoodie in mine, you know? And so, you know, you, then you got just your shoes in here, right? And then... You know what? We bought this bag in California. This one. We came back with more stuff than we went with. Because we got eight kids. Might as well not even come home if you don't have to buy a bag to bring their stuff back. You know what I mean? We don't tell them that we went to two cities because they'd be like, oh, I'm supposed to get something from every city. You know, how many did you drive through, right? You're supposed to get stop at every gas station, right? So... I literally had to go buy a bag, had to check it, had to do everything to get this stuff home. But this is our progression. First, it's like, this is cool. Then it's like, well, I got this, and, you know, I could throw it in an overhead bin on the plane, and then I'll still have a little freedom in my seat. Man, come on, it just ruins your trip. Everything. Man, they, they told us, you know, we buy the cheap seats. We sat in the bathroom. I mean... <laughs> I mean, but seriously, like, right in front of the bathroom. Like, listen, please, if, if at all possible, just don't use those toilets in the bathroom for number two, okay? Seriously, that's just inconsiderate. On the way home, we slept like three hours before we, before we got on our flight, so Jahan's out, and I'm not, and I'm like, Oh, God, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to be so sick. I'm like, how much does it cost to move to first class mid-flight? Tell me. Whatever it is, tell me. i got to get away from the toilet. This is so bad. And then I told the, uh, oh, I don't want to say the wrong way. It's not stewardess. Don't say that. Flight attendant. I told the flight attendant, you know, what is that stuff you just sprayed? I need that at my house. i got eight kids, all right? Because I don't know what she did, but she just like, I heard it. And I was like. You know, like the noise, like, yeah. like heaven just invaded the earth. I was like, what just happened? It's a miracle. I started, about ran up and down the plane and worship. God, he's a miracle working God. My God, yeah. But we sit back in the back and... <laughs> That's the cheap seats. That, they didn't used to do it that way, right? It used to be 
first class main cabin. They try every way to get your money now, right? I don't even know that. I just bought flights, right? I get there, they're like, oh, you're basic. <laughs> I'm like, are we going to the same place? <laughs> you going to offer me the same almonds? You know? You're basic. Well, I soon found out what basic is when we're loading the plane. Hey, everyone who needs special assistance, I've learned. I just start saying I need it. I need special <laughs> assistance. I got problems. <laughs> go. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> First, they say, you got special assistance. You got a small child. You got medical need. You got blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't honestly say that. Shoot. We should have brought Jay with us. <laughs> It'd be worth it to hold that kid for on a four-and-a-half-hour flight to not sit in basic. I'm telling you, whatever it is. I've tried to just grab a kid, you know? <laughs> this lady had a kid over beside her, a little blonde-headed baby. I was like, let me carry him plane for you. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this for you. Here's a ticket. You can pick him up when we get to San Francisco. <laughs> anyway, so we're basic, you know, so they're like, anybody getting these special needs? They're like, uh... First class, business class, um, man, I can't, what? Oh, oh, yeah, no, we ain't to economy yet. Those were the people we could see that were close to basic. You know what I mean? And so they're like, who's in the main cabin? That's when I really started getting scared. Because I like, that's, uh, I mean, we're in the main cabin of the plane, right? We're not in the cargo hold, you know? We're not in the fuel reservoir. We're not literally in the bathroom, are we? We're in the main cabin with everybody else. And so I'm like, hey, yeah, we're main cabin. Oh, no, you're basic. Go sit down, sir. We'll call you in a little while. We call you as the plane is taxiing down the runway. You have to chase it down, climb up a hanging rope, right? Lodge yourself up under the landing gear. That's where you're riding, son. I'm like... What's well, basic? So, you know, we, we get to the very end. Here's Jahan like, and I, I tell you what, it's a stressful situation. Jahan missed a flight one time. It takes a special skill. She sat at the gate <laughs> while they called all these different people. Yeah. Like, now I'm like, people call and ask her to come lead worship. I'm like, you got to buy two tickets. They're like, oh, y'all think y'all are fancy? I'm like, no, she just can't get there. See, we don't send somebody with her. We got to send... <laughs> You got to send somebody with her. <laughs> so she sits at the gate. They call all those different groups of people. <laughs> she wasn't, like, having an emergency. She, her what, flight, like, wasn't delayed. She was there an hour early. And sat where she could see the gate. The gate's where that speaker is back there. And I guess she just was thinking about me. <laughs> Only thing I can figure is she thought about me. And just sat right there. She called me and she said, Michael, I missed my flight. I said, what happened? Were they, that's not right. I'm going to call them. She's like, no, I was sitting there the whole time. <laughs> so now when we travel, right, we're there two hours early. And so I was like, maybe we should go stand at the desk. Maybe we should line up now, right? Maybe, you know. And they say, we're going to begin boarding in 15 minutes. John's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's ridiculous. I'm like, and so after the first time we learned what basic was, then the rest of the trip, I'm like, babe, we're basic. 
Just sit down. They'll, they'll call the special people at the end. They'll, they'll say our names just so we can be shamed to spend more money on the next flight. Our society's terrible. They just let everybody know. They're like, hey, basic people, it's your turn. Hey, cheapos, let's go. Putting you by the bathroom where Fred's going to crap all the time. Anyway. <laughs> There had to be something I was trying to say today. <laughs> so by the time they called basic, right, they told me I could bring a carry-on and a, and a personal item, right? So they tell this to all the basic people I've learned. Basic, no, we don't have room for your stuff. You get a little tag. We're putting yourself under the plane. You don't get to take it with you on the plane and put it over your head. No, y'all don't have overhead. Y'all are back by the bathroom. We don't have over. That's where the flight attendants put their stuff. That's our special place. You don't even get. Seriously, I, I have my backpack, and I was like, can I put my. No, that's our stuff. You're basic, remember? I'm six foot one, 250 pounds, sitting in basic, man, which I don't even know how much smaller they are, but whatever, they don't go back because you're on the back wall against the thing, you know? And then my backpack's under my feet. And I got it full of stuff because I need stuff, you know? I never opened my backpack on one flight. I just didn't have any room to put my feet. That's how we do. But you buy it, you know, so you're supposed to be able to do this and that. So we ended up getting this suitcase. And then, you know, they got rules on those planes for a reason. Because <laughs> they're going somewhere. And the Clampets can't bring all their stuff on that plane, right? <laughs> My sister, you know, she doesn't have children. And she's single. So we go to the beach. And... I have to drive two vehicles to the beach. Two. Can't get everything in one vehicle. So I have to drive one with all the kids in it. Then I have to drive my truck with all the beach stuff in it. Right? So we drive two vehicles to the beach. And I have a little bit of bitterness towards my sister. Because she'll fly to the beach and just meet us. Come pick me up from the airport. And she shows up like this, a little carry-on. Took her 30 minutes to get to the beach. Took me 12 hours with two vehicles. <laughs> Screaming kids. All because of how much stuff I have to have, right? Journey's a lot different based on how much stuff you think you have to have. You got your paper? <clears throat> Some of you might get freaked out a little bit right here. It's okay. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit a question. Let me give you a disclaimer. If you don't believe that God can speak to you through the Holy Spirit, then I just want you to imagine something. All right? So, I'd like for you to ask the Holy Spirit when he made you and formed you, what car would you be like? What car would you be like? Now, seriously, listen, man, for years this freaked me out. So people ask questions like that, I was just like, well, I'm just thinking of a car I like. Okay, write it down. I've learned some things about God over the years that he kind of shaped my likes when he made me. 
So a lot of times when I think, oh, I'd like to be this car, you know what? That's exactly who he made you to be. So if you don't believe, you can speak to you. Just do that. And, you know, many times our idea of God speaking and our idea of us imagining is right here is God speaking. Really. Man, I don't know. I just thought of a car, though, but I don't know if God spoke. Let me freak out. Oh, is it God? Just write the car down, please. Just write the car down. What? Like when I was being formed and when I was being made, if I was a car, you know, what car would I be? What car would most reflect God's intention for my life? I mean, what would he have made me? For instance, me, I can just tell you right now, many of you, it'll reflect what car you actually drive. I've never driven anything in my life other than a truck. It wasn't hard for me when I did this. Lord, what would I be? I'd be a truck. You know, if I'd have been a Mustang, I probably at least once in my life would have bought a Mustang. You know, it'd be just it wired in me, right? Being my nature to want to drive something that reflects who I am, right? So it's not real complicated, but just what car would I be? If that freaks you out, just have fun. What car would I like to be? One or the other. No right or wrong answer. I just want everybody to do it, if you will. What car would I be? Just write it down. Now, I hate putting numbers on things because I don't want you to be confined to a certain number, but write some characteristics. Ask the Holy Spirit or think in your mind. Why do I like that car? Why would I want to be that car? Holy Spirit, why would you... What are some attributes of that car that you put in me? What are some things that that car does that, that you put in me? What are some things that you instilled in my life? What are some gifts? What are some talents? What are some abilities? What are some characters? What are some, what are some things that, that that car does that are characteristic of it that, that is in me? Will you show me some things about myself just through this picture of this car? You know, my truck was a specific truck, not one of those new fancy trucks that you don't want to get dirty. My truck was a truck you're not afraid to get dirty. I was like, well, what, why do I like trucks so much? He's like, it's just part of your nature. You're not afraid to get dirty. You're dependable. Not afraid to help people. You know, if you got a truck, you got to help people. Like, all your friends, when they move, they're going to call you. You know, you got a truck. I remember you got a truck. Yeah, what do you want to do? You know, you're not afraid to help people, you know. Just some of the characteristics, just things like that. What, what, what did he show you about? You know? <clears throat> All right, we got some? We got some? Again, if that all freaks you out, then just imagine what you would love, and then I'm going to pray God speaks to you through what you love, okay? So just imagine what you love. 
I could have went either way. I mean, if, if you'd asked me what, truck, what car would you be out of set a truck, okay? See, there's not this huge difference between, you know, because you're a new creation. God's inside of you, all right? We need to quit being so skeptical about what we think and believe that he influences the way we think. Man, is that God? Well, man, he loves you, and he thinks through you, and he gives you thoughts, and he gives you ideas, and he gives you imagination. He gives you desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If he's what you delight, he'll give you what you desire. And so if you're delighting in him, do you not see the correlation between what he is and what he gives you being what you desire? You're delighting in him, and he's giving you the desires that he's going to feel in you. When he made you, he gave you the desires, just like he gave you the character. Just like he gave you the attributes. All right, everybody turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Hold on to that. We're going to use that some more. It's going to be a little lengthy read here. We'll start in verse 1 and read through verse 10. And his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. I'm really going to verse 10. That's the main thing I want to read, but I just can't read Ephesians chapter 2 without reading this part too. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. Okay, when you see that... Um, you lived in religion, custom, and values of this world. You see how he takes your past, he takes your wounds, he takes your hurt, he leverages them against your future, and he causes your thoughts and your patterns and your motives and the things that you go after and the things that you strive for. He tries to shape your future based on what he's had victory in the past in your life. And so we were there. We were in that. And he just, we just did whatever we wanted to do. And we followed every whim and every impulse. Verse 3, the corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self, life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children, subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins. He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. See, all this transformation that's taken place. We used to do this. We don't do that anymore. We're in a whole other realm. We're in a whole other thought process. We're in a whole other cycle. We're in a whole other authority. We're in a whole other government. So we've transitioned into a whole other government, yet we pack our bag like we're in the old assignment. Where was I? For it was only uh, through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn his salvation, for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Verse 10, we have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. 
For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned, listen to this, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. As we're thinking about that car, as you're thinking about your life, hopefully you've left the car now. Because I asked you how it would apply to you and your attributes of your life. So let's let that shift. What he's saying about a car was just a picture, but what is he saying about us? What, what did he create in us? What did he form in us? And God was not a reactionary God. He did not see a problem, and then so he created us. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He was slain before Adam and Eve fell. Okay? God is not a reactionary God. He did not create you so that you could, in response to a need that he had, he created you, he formed you, after he, after he created a purpose for you. God had an intention. God had an assignment. God had a life. He came to give us life and life abundantly. He, he had a life experience, a life encounter, a life destiny. He had a purpose. He had a plan. He had a thing, a present, a gift, a, a days on the earth that you breathe your breath. He had all of that prepared. He had a destiny and a future, and he had it all planned out, and he had a path for you to live in it and to do good works that would bring you to that destiny. He had all that prepared. Then he formed you. Then he formed you. How many people feel inadequate to do what God, you feel God is leading you to do? That's absurd because he formed you specifically for what he prepared for you. He formed you. He formed purpose and intention and a plan. Everything, every place of joy, every place of promise, every place of reward, every place of fulfillment and overflow, every place in life, every mountaintop, every joyous expression, every moment that you can't wipe from your mind because it was like euphoric. It was like you had to pinch yourself to see that you weren't dreaming. All of those moments were prepared and everything that gets you to those moments well, prepared, and then he equipped you, he made you, whatever that car is, whatever he is in your life, he put in everything that you would need to be who he created you to be. He's not trying to make you into something you're not. Bill Johnson said in the conference one night, he was talking about worship and the things that God commands us to do. God commands, there's things God commands to do. He, just, he says, clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, right? And so we say, well, you, God doesn't know me. You know, and I don't want to get into worship wars today. I'm not getting into how you need to worship and not worship and all those things. I'm just saying there are things that God tells us to do and this is what Bill said. It was awesome. God will never ask you to, oh my gosh, I forgot the word. Violate was the word I was looking for. God will never ask you to do something that will violate your identity. Yeah. 
if you're not a truck, God will never ask you to haul a couch. Right? But, just like in worship, he'll never do anything. You say, well, it's not my nature. It's not who I am. He'll never ask you to do anything to violate your identity. But he will let you violate. He loves to make you violate, actually. (laughs) Your perception of who you are. Because if he can get you to violate your perception of who you are, he actually can get you to embrace who you really are. So many times we think what he's calling us to is violating who we are. But really, we're living in a a pseudo who we are. We're living in a falsity. We're living in a a, a scheme. We're living in a, a deception. We're living in a perversion. We're living in a less than. We're living in some lost place that is not our intention. We're like Mephibosheth in Lodabar. You're living in a place that was never intended to be your destination. He created for you a destination and a purpose and good works to give you there and he created you and he informed informed you and made you with that purpose in mind with that destiny in mind with that call in mind you'll never do anything that makes you violate that but he loves to violate your perception of who you are because so many times it's so different than who we really are and who he created us to be so he made us to be and do the things and the works that he create that that were prepared for us. I've got to figure out where to go here. We got to cut out some pages here, folks. I want to I want to use a picture. The meat of today, the the illustration that I want to use, not the topic of the message not not the whole problem but the root of the problem i want to take just one symptom and it's our idea about money it's not a sermon about money but i just want to highlight one of the symptoms of this poverty thinking and how it manifests in money look at first timothy 6 7 through 10 Isn't it true that our hands, everybody hold your hands, hands were empty when we came into the world? And when we leave this world, our hands will be empty again? Because of this, food and clothing is enough to make us content. But those who crave the wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. They become trapped by the troubles that come through their foolish and harmful desires, driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures, and they take others down with them into their corruption and eventual destruction. Loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Now look, that seems like a stretch. Oh my gosh, I mean, who would ever go towards money so much that they would give up their faith? Every single person in this room, including me, you've let go of your faith probably in the last week because of money. 
there's been a situation or a circumstance that there was a path of faith that was prepared for you and destined for you and a good work that would cause you to be and do what you're called to be and do, and yet we've taken a little diversion because we've lost our faith to make that choice and we followed the money. Show me the money. Second Timothy 2, 22. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Flee from youthful lust. I think it's so cool to look at his instructions toward Timothy and what we read in Hebrews today, this running a race and fleeing these things. And so it's this picture of an agile and ready vessel that can flee the things instead of packing the things. You know what I mean? See, once you start, reminds me of the Incredibles when those blobs hit him when he was in that tunnel, you know? Once you get one on you, it's like, ugh. Before he got one on him, he was doing pretty good avoiding them. You know what I mean? But once you get one on you, it slows down your ability. Then you're not able to flee lust. You're just like, let me try to move what parts of my body I can away from lust. You know? But there's a picture, man, of us being folks who run a race without encumbrance. That causes us to be agile and hit the mark and accomplish what God has called us to do. But it starts, we lose the capacity to do that the more stuff we try to pack. The more stuff we try to worry about, the more stuff we try to save up. Look at it in the Passion Translation. Run as fast as you can. Listen, if the instruction for me to run as fast as I can to do anything, I'm going to take this bag off. I'm not going to say, yeah, I ran as fast as I could with the bag. We come to God all the time and say, I did everything you told me to do that I was able to with my bag. You see my heart, Lord? I'm doing all I can with my bag. Yeah. He's like, I didn't really write it that way. I, I didn't really tell you, run as fast as you can with your bag. That doesn't get you where I created you to get. Just telling you. I created you to go somewhere. I did not create you to carry a bag somewhere. When you look at that car, when you look at the functionality of the car, throw that junk. This is kind of where I was going to go. There's, there's too much junk in your trunk, right? Throw it up there, please. There's too much junk in your trunk. I had a pastor friend one time that had a bug, and they cut the back of that bug off, and he had it for this, and he did There's Too Much Junk in Your Trunk series, and it was just overloaded with stuff. And I've put this sermon off for like a month because I've been trying to get that car. And he told me the other day, he, borrow, he lets somebody borrow it, and they let somebody borrow it, and they let somebody borrow it, and he doesn't even have it anymore. And I said, you're pitiful. You should have kept up with your trunk. But there's a function, there's a purpose. You all saw it, right? You all imagined it. You all dreamed it. You let your heart hope it, believe it earlier when I asked you, right? Y'all, right? Right? You saw intention. You saw purpose. You saw characteristics. You saw function, right? Right? You saw things that you're supposed to do. 
Was this in anybody's? Show that minivan up there. If you're a minivan, throw the minivan up. You, there's tons of function you can think about for that minivan, but I guarantee you if you were a minivan in here, this is not something you thought of. Nobody thought of that. What are you doing in your life that nobody would think of? Would be your intention, yet you're doing it. This is what we look like. God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what you call me to do with my limited ability. You know, because I have that wound. And so you know, God, i got to have this with me just in case something like that ever comes up again. And so, you know, you know, I got, come on, God, what do you expect from me? What do you expect from me? He expects for you to reach your destiny and your purpose, which is chock full of glorious experiences in your life. But you don't have to. God loves us. He gives us a choice. You can drive around like this till the wheels fall off, but the wheels will fall off, DJ, won't they? He's a mechanic. I had all kinds of pictures I was going to show you today, but I'm, I don't, we don't have time for that anyways. But disasters that happen from overloaded vehicles. <laughs> You've seen the videos of somebody going around a curve with this stuff too high in the truck. <laughs> Anybody ever been the truck? Anybody ever been the truck? Should be able to take that curve easy. You're created to take that curve. You're a stinking Maserati. You should be able to take that gut curve. There's curves you should be able to take at 150 miles an hour that the way you're carrying stuff, you can't take them at 10 miles an hour. We're living a life that's so sluggish and so bogged down and so consumed with all the things to preserve ourselves. And God's not mad. His heart's just broken. Because he created that minivan to do specific things. Why would you be a minivan? Because you're called to be a mother. God created Jahan, he created her to be a mother. She probably saw herself as a minivan. I, when I saw me as a truck, it's a four-door, okay? One of them crew cabs. I used to be a Ford Ranger, you know? <laughs> and then it happened. Yeah. My, pro, my payment doubled. <laughs> but you can't be a minivan. You can't be a mother of the nations. If you put that back up there, please, if you're carrying that stuff around. Your whole life just becomes whatever your life needs to be to carry the things that you think you need to have. You no longer can even ask God, what would you have me to do? Because you don't even have the ability 
to carry out the function he created you to live in. We get so far away, we can't even do what we're created to do. And we just become lives that live for themselves. Ambitious, selfish, desiring our own things. And it leads us into destruction and devastation and misery. So that one at the interstate. I just want to say to some of you, listen, it's this obvious. Some of you, it's this obvious. Like what? Why are people looking at me on the interstate? Am I not like everybody else? I go to church on Sunday. Look at my T-shirt. Don't I fit in? trying to fit in and in this picture this snapshot you'll see look how many different vehicles you got a taxi you got a little van you got a truck that's meant to haul some stuff you got some cars you got a tow truck you got all kinds of people many of them probably doing exactly what they were intended to do and striving, I mean thriving, finding fulfillment, not trying to live outside their means, not trying to be something they're not, just being who God created them to be, not wrecked with anxiety and stress and fear, turmoil, trying to make everything happen, trying to be what they're not. In the Passion Translation, that 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lust of youth and chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must be your holy pursuit and live in peace, peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus Christ in pure hearts. Matthew 6, if you're taking notes, jot that down, read it, 25-34. Don't we worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. We don't have to worry. I'm not saying today we shouldn't have money. I'm not against money. I'm just saying we shouldn't need money. I don't need it. All I need is Jesus. But I'll use money. If you force me to, God, I'll use money. If you want me to do some stuff with money, I'll do it. But I'll do it like I do everything else. Only needing you and using what you give me. Jesus and his disciples didn't need money. You know what the Lord instructed them? This is, I, I don't have time, but uh, Matthew 10, if you want to write that, uh, 7 through 10, Luke 10, 3 through 4. Ah, i got to read that one. Matthew 10. As you go, preach this message. <laughs> Heaven's kingdom. 
realm is accessible, close enough to touch. Okay? You must continually bring healing to lepers and those who are sick. Make it your habit to break off the demonic presence of people. Make it a habit. Raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. Verse 9, you won't need a lot of money. Travel light. And don't even pack an extra change of clothes in your backpack. Thank you, God. I'm just going to go ahead and take that off now. I'm just, Don't even pack an extra pair of clothes in your backpack. Trust God for everything. Everything. Say everything. Because the one who works for him deserves to be provided for. Look at Luke 10, verse 3. Now off you go. I'm sending you out even though you feel as vulnerable as lambs. Going into a pack of wolves. You won't need to take anything with you. Even though you feel vulnerable, but you're people who have put off the wounds of the past. So you can walk into a, a den of wolves and be, feel vulnerable, but not feel like you need to take your machine gun with you. Your body armor with you. Just stay vulnerable. That's okay. Just be vulnerable. And you know I'm with you. I'm your shield. I'm your buckler. I'm your guard. I'm before you. I'm behind you. I'm all around you. You go ever, wherever you need to go and just stay vulnerable. Don't try to prepare it where you don't have to be vulnerable. Stay vulnerable. It's important. Because if you're not vulnerable, you'll lose your faith. You won't need to take anything with you. Trust in God alone. And don't get distracted from my purpose by anyone you might meet along the way. He goes on in both those passages to say, go into a house. If they receive you, release your what? Blessing of peace. Y'all are all right. Somebody said blessing. Somebody said peace. You're all right. Y'all get a check mark. Just put it on your paper. Where you wrote down your car, just put a check mark there. If you wrote your car, put a check mark too. If you didn't, shame on you. Should have. Extra credit. How many characteristics did you put about your car? Go ahead. Give yourself a bonus. Ten plus ten. He says, release your blessing of peace. Look at this. Don't take anything with you. But carry a bunch of peace. Because it's the currency of the kingdom. Go to somebody's house with money. They'll give you money. You give them peace. Go to your job. Don't worry about jockeying for position. Don't worry about throwing people off the ladder and climbing over them. Don't worry about managing and scheming and figuring out how you're going to get the promotion, how you're going to do everything. Hey, you worry about peace. I think Blake hit on this last week. All I got to hear it see is a little clip of it, but it's so good. We are to steward peace. Listen, the world wants peace, and they'll give you money for it. Jobs want peace, and they'll give you promotions for it. The world loves the kingdom. They just don't know it. 
I live for a day when the church is the most influential place in the world. Where people, you know, you go to a job and you say, I went to Harvard. That gets you up. I can't wait till we've changed what people think about the kingdom of God and about the church so much that when you go to some place and you say, I'm a believer, they're like, whoa. Put them over that person that went to Harvard. Put them over that person with all that experience. Put them over that person whose daddy was so-and-so and the governor. Put them over. But man, y'all, you went straight to the top. We gotta have you here because we know what happens in the kingdom. It happened all through the Old Testament. You saw it. People were sitting around talking about it in tents. They were scared of the people, the Israelites. They were saying God contends with the, us because of them. I saw an article the other day, true story, an article from Israel. And the terrorists that are shooting rockets from Gaza into Israel. Is it from Gaza into Israel? I can't remember that part. The people that are shooting the rockets in, it sounds just like the Philistines said in the Bible about the Israelites. They're saying this. Their God changes the trajectory of our rockets. And we cannot. Who you saw it? I'm not lying. Their God changes. I can't wait. Till men and women of God walk into employment. But it is not going to happen until we quit acting like the world and claiming Christ. You know what they think now? They think, man, that person's going to gossip as much as everybody else. That person's going to strive as much as everybody else. That person's going to be contentious as much as everybody else. It means nothing that they say they're a believer. All it means is, on top of all that other stuff that everybody else does, they're going to come in here every day being self-righteous, holier than thou, and make everybody else in my job want to quit, and they're probably going to preach at me every chance they get. But when can we change that perception? Because we worry about stewarding peace and we let God deal with everything else. We seek first his kingdom and everything that comes with it and everything else will be added to us in abundance. Stand up with me today, will you? I'm 19 minutes over. And I'm going to take 11 more. Guess what? My back hurts. <laughs> Serious. Some of y'all's physical problems are because of the weight you're unnecessarily carrying. It's manifesting in your body. And if you'll lay it down, he'll heal your body. If you're like that minivan, Lord God, please hear, heal my struts. They're aching. Give me new struts, oh Lord. Okay? It's not going to relieve the pain. You got to get rid of some of that stuff on top. You were never created, even with brand new struts, to carry that weight. Matter of fact, the struts I gave you were good enough. I made them to carry everything I ever wanted you to carry. Prayer team, would you come down today? I just want to give you, I want to give everybody an opportunity, not just those that want to step out from your seats. There are just some of you that are going to specifically want to step out and just have someone agree with you in this. But can we do one more thing on our piece of paper? 
What car are we? What are some characteristics? What are some intentions, intentions that are on our life? I hope you didn't just think of things you're supposed to do. I hope you thought of some really cool features. I hope you got a little smile about some of the stuff he built in you. I did. I hope you felt his love in some of the little details about how he made you. I want you to think of a few things real quick. Ask the Holy Spirit. You know, there's times my vehicle, it's made to hold six people, and there's times it can only hold one. When, I, when it's really been bad and I've really been just piling it up. Some of the most common functions of the vehicle don't even work. Never mind the great things it's going to do. Just the, just the everyday, beautiful little things we shouldn't even have to worry about or think about happening. Can you ask the Holy Spirit, show me three things. Show me three things I worry about. Or show me three things I try to control. Show me three things that I try to pack. Show me three things that I do in my vehicle, in my life, that are a hindrance to me just being. Forget about doing. Forget about all the things that, you know, is in the heart of God for us to experience and accomplish. But just being. Just even being able to have identity. Am I so overwhelmed and overladen that I don't even look like the car anymore? Just being. Holy Spirit, would you show us weights that we're carrying? Burdens we're refusing to release. Situations we're trying to control to remove the faith and the vulnerability from them. People we're trying to control. Relationships that we're trying to make be what we want them to be. And we're, we've lost all peace in the process. Guys, you should love your work. You should love your work. You mean every day we should think is the best thing? That's immature. You know, everybody, you know, doesn't want to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. No. You might have thoughts cross your mind about some of the parts of your work that you don't desire, but you should love your work. It should fit into your assignment in life.
some of us want things that are heavy so we can go around and talk about how heavy they are. Our identity is being overwhelmed. We find worth in people knowing that we're overwhelmed all the time. I've seen it in workplaces. I've been it in workplaces. Most employers that hire people are not knocking on your door at your house and saying, we're just really having a shortage of workers. Will you please come and work for us? We're desperate. We need you to do us a favor. Most of you put a sign on the door or something, and you went to your job that you're at, and you filled out an application, and you said, I want this job. And they gave it to you. They gave it to you. It's a gift. And they were like, man, why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do this? You don't. Quit. Go get another job. But if it's every job, you might have a problem. Be who he created you to be in your workplace, in your home, in your family. Let it align with your purpose and his plan and his intention for your life. If they look contrary, say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're either going to turn this thing to where it fits into my purpose or you're going to remove me from it. But until then, I just call it into the kingdom and I just carry peace into it. Can everybody partner up today? What is he doing? He's messing with us bad. He's making us all do stuff. Come back every week. I don't make you do stuff. Can everybody get somebody? Maybe even don't get the person you came with. Don't get the person you came with. Don't get the person who already knows the things you're going to say. <laughs> Maybe come up here. If you want to come up to somebody in the front, come up to somebody in the front. Real quick. Real quick. Once you get somebody, we're going to do something. Grab somebody. I'm waiting. We're going to end with this today. Get somebody real quick. All right. I just want us to take a few minutes. We're going to dismiss in just a few minutes. But will you share what you saw about yourself? What you believe God's intention for your life is? You can say the car, it's fine. What characteristics do you believe? What features do you think that you have? that you walk in in your life and be vulnerable and share some of the things that you've 
started packing in your trunk that are causing you to be unable to function as what he's called you to do. First person, one of you be one, one of you be two. One of you be one, real quick. One of you be one, one of you be two. All right. Are you ready? All right. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Number twos, you go first because you're the ones that wanted to go second. Number twos, you go first, real quick. Number twos, share with them real quick. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.